right. So welcome to the Interesting People I Know podcast. I'm Carrie Freitas. And it's January. It's I feel like um, collectively as a society, if I can go ahead and make a blanket generalization, I feel like we've lived a year and a month. And um, this week has been a super um, long, in my opinion, and trying week um, for so many people with so much loss and grieving, um, and especially for the community where we're coming to you from and here in Orange County, um, with the tragic events that I, you know, I'll reference here, but I'm sure need no introduction. And that's the the helicopter crash that claimed, you know, nine lives, in, including um, those of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, um, and seven other equally important people um, who leave behind huge voids in people's lives. And then, um, and the the ripple effect goes from there. And sometimes ripple effects can be good. In this case, I think it's just it's, it's almost feels like a tidal wave in some ways of the grieving that um, continues to roll in. So I thought it was really important today. Um, and I'm so happy that my dear friend and um, trusted advisor Jenny Smith came to me with the idea because she said, we got to talk about grieving. And, um, and I'm like, of course we do. And that makes so much sense. And I think I was in too much of a weird headspace to even kind of put it together until she came to me. So you know her um, and love her from the podcast, previous um, episodes, but um, she's Jenny Smith and she's a licensed marriage and family therapist with Smith Psychotherapy Group. And um, I always like to get the plug in at the top and I'll get it in later, but the plug is especially important today because this isn't about you know her and her practice making money. This is about her and her practice helping people that are in desperate need, um, whether they're connected directly with the families or just grieving for their own losses. And believe me, there's so many losses that happen, you know, every minute of every day in the world. So it's not just this helicopter crash, it's, it goes well beyond that. Um, and I've also got her associate marriage and family therapist, Carly Juarez here, uh, again, with Smith Psychotherapy Group. And um, it's smithpsychotherapygroup.com. And so welcome, Jenny and Carly. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here uh, during such a, a crazy week. And I know likely your, um, you know, figurative or or real life couches have been, um, I'm sure, you know, very full this week uh, with clients and people asking questions. And so I'm so thankful to have you both here to talk about the subject of grieving. There, It's such a deep thing. I, I had um, written a a post last night, I think it was a one procrastinating with work, but more importantly, I was feeling a lot of feelings and I wanted to get them out. And as usual, in my self indulgent um, exercise, I share it with everybody, you know, because you never know. And it was I felt like it was something I needed to get out and process. But I feel like it was also um, something that, you know, maybe would help other people and it, it feels like it's resonating. And so um, I'm super glad we're talking about grieving today. Because to me, um, it's such a complex thing and a complex emotion. So um, welcome you both. And Thank I just you. feel like I'm going to let you get started where you're the experts. Tell us kind of where we should start in thinking about grief and what we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, one of the first things to consider and a lot of my friends, you know, that are experiencing grief as well, and a lot of my clients as well, you know, kind of um, ask, how do we make sense of this like it's it's very hard to grasp the magnitude of this type of trauma and I'm actually glad when people ask me that the answer is quite simple but hard to apply is we don't make sense of it 
we just can't. Should we even be trying to make sense of it? Like it seems like such a like a um a futile effort like to try to even get my brain around why something like this happens. You're absolutely right because you will never arrive at an answer. You will never arrive at an answer that feels uh like closure or feels final to you. And so the process of trying to figure out why I always say that's like banging your head against a brick wall mm-hmm. over and over again. It's just going to hurt you. Yeah, I'm really good at that. I'm going <laughs> to say I don't think that's really the way to go. But I, I know what you mean. All it does is hurt. And it just it's it feels like it, it builds anxiety in me because yeah. it's like the circuitous thinking. And so it's like, I can't make sense of it. I can't make sense of it. And then it's like, not only am I sad, but I'm anxious. Yeah, we get stuck in a negative loop that kind of slows down the grief process. And you know, in, in what you wrote this morning in your, or, or last night, I'm sorry. Yeah, whenever. I, I can't remember either, honestly. It's all a blur. It's sometime in the last 24 hours. Okay. Um, it was just so beautiful. And there was one thing you said that really um, stuck out in my mind, which was you said that sometimes grief will tap you on the shoulder and whisper in your ear, and sometimes grief will scream in your face. And that couldn't be more true. This type of an event is the scream in your face type of an event. Death is always hard. It's always complex. It is never easy. Um, But there are some differences between, you know, a a terminal diagnosis of cancer, you start feeling the grief, but you have, this is the tapping on the shoulder or the whisper, you have a little time. Or like your your grandmother who's had a wonderful life and she's 98, you know, she, she probably won't live to 150. You hope she will, but, but you know, she's, you have some time to start yes. processing it and start thinking about, do I want to say anything to her before she goes? Do mm-hmm. I want to spend more time with her before she goes and start preparing for and imagining what life is going to be like without her present? You're still going to feel the void. You're still going to feel the loss and yeah. the pain. There's going to be pain no matter what. But this type of death, this type of traumatic death where you know you say goodbye to someone in the morning and you're expecting to see them in a few hours and their cup of coffee is still sitting there. It's it's just it's so difficult to to accept. It's really difficult to accept. Do we it's have trauma. to accept it? Like I mean like, yes. I want to and I might be getting off track, but I just want to make put a pin in that if we need yeah. to. But I want to talk about like acceptance. Like I don't want to be in denial, but also like do I have to go, that's fine. You know, yes. I mean well, yeah, we will talk okay. about the stages of grief, okay. but it is very Thank important. You. And acceptance is part of that, not getting stuck in the negative loop okay. of why. Okay. We, we have to be able to shift our mindset to it happened. So now I need to focus on my pain, my healing, and moving forward. Okay. Yeah. So just to recap this part, it's... Um, you know, the, the question that I was supposed to ask you, and then I just got kind of like overwhelmed by like thinking about all the grief. And then of course, which is a good example, we'll talk, Carly will kind of take us through that later about why my brain is foggier mm-hmm. than usual. And it's not lack of coffee or anything. It's more of this. It's great. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it's like, we don't have to make sense of the tragedy. So I think that the first lesson we've just tapped into that I want to reiterate for people who again, whose minds might be as foggy as mine, mm-hmm. is that we don't have to sit here and try to make sense of it. Yeah, we can move towards acceptance hopefully we'll talk about the stages but we don't have to try to make sense of it because that just might continue to build anxiety and and delay the grieving process Mm -hmm. okay yeah um the second question we had kind of outlined in the pre-show um was laying out what the grieving process i know everyone's process is different but generally um what does it look like and, and what can you expect from 
yourself during the process or from other people that you're like sitting in witness to or, or sitting with in the pain? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that process look like? Yeah, I mean, generally, we there's the stages of grief. Like if you Google, what are the stages of grief? You'll see certain things come up. Um, denial, uh, anger, depression, bargaining, like what could I have done to make this okay. not happen? Or is there anything that I could have done differently and starting to internalize that um, and ending with acceptance. But I think too, to be careful with looking into some of those things and then comparing it to what your experience is because it sets this expectation that there's a right way to grieve. Yes. And you're exactly right that there isn't. It's going to be different for everyone. Like how you just said, you've been feeling overwhelmed and yeah and you know before we sat down here we were all doing different things and we're distracted and and we have different things going through our heads and and then when you sit and focus on it you might feel overwhelmed yeah that sadness comes back right or like I can feel it creeping in right now so it's like the overwhelm started and now that I'm like looking in your eyes and we're connecting and talking about it in a calm way I can feel like my throat starting to I mean I'm Mm -hmm. on the verge of tears yeah Yeah. because the grief is starting I'm starting to let it in which I think is probably good yeah not that I'm like want to sit like this for the rest of my life but I think it's important to feel it right yeah and it's waves Yes. Your waves, the ocean was calm maybe or calmer Mm -hmm. right before we started talking about it and we're experiencing that right now. And I think it's, I like that you mentioned too that we're sitting here and looking at each other in the Mm -hmm. face too because there is something powerful about that because I feel like it's transferring. Right. Like in a way too, in a powerful way. Yeah. Not in a. Not negative. Not in a negative way, but how connecting it can be as well, which you know, I think maybe we could talk about. Yeah, I want to, because that's something I also, that's what kind of was the genesis of what I started writing last night was that, and again, carry of the not original thought. I mean, I don't think there's any original thought really in the universe, but maybe there, I don't think there is. It's my take. You're pretty original. Okay. Hmm. I know. (laughs) We'll take that as a compliment. Um, But, um, but I I think that's the one thing that like spurred me to write last night was like the connectivity of grief Mm -hmm. seems so much more it's it's in a strange way more powerful than connect the connectivity of joy mm-hmm. yep. um so i just you know i do feel connected to you all and, and so i want to say i really appreciate you both being here and we're talking mm-hmm. about it um but yeah the connection through grief is like to me is so powerful well grief is a necessary healthy response to loss and it does cause us to reach out for help and connect to others. So I know a lot of people think of grief as an unwanted series of emotions. (laughs) Of course, we don't want to lose someone, but it's a very organic and healthy, real response to loss. And so, I mean, I like, I don't know if you want to share or not, but I love what you wrote on your post, Carly, about your personal experience, like the different emotions that you went through hearing you know the news and the day Can we talk sh- about that yeah. are you are you open to yeah, sharing that definitely i mean before we started recording or maybe we were but i was telling you guys that i was on my way to my nephew's second birthday party mm-hmm. and you know with that there's love and joy and and how quickly that can shift and turn off um when you get news like that um I got a message uh, from a family member who who posted about it and or who had had read it and then, you know, shared it in a message. And my initial reaction was, no, there's 
no, there's no way that's not real. That denial, that shock and denial of, and I, I was in that stage for some time where I was, I just, my brain could not comprehend that that was real to the point where I actually had to go searching. Like I had to Google it and I was like, it's going to come up. It's a hoax or it's not real, you know? And, and when it did come up and I, it started to sink in like, wow, that really did happen. It still didn't feel real. I had the same experience. My uh, One of my kids came in, Jeannie came in and said, mom, Kobe Bryant just died. I go, no, uh-uh. Yeah. I go, no, 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 no. I go, let's look at the, let's look at the data, okay? Yeah. Yep. So I go on my phone, just like you did, Carly, and I'm yeah. like, oh, TMZ is reporting it. Not a reliable source. Yes. I go, let's wait till the New York Times weighs in, shall we? Like, I was being sarcastic because I'm like, this is a lie and a hoax because I yep. couldn't even process it. All my my team members from kitchen table were like, oh my gosh, did you hear? And then my friends were texting, I go, it's not real. Like New York Times, you know, like holding on to that. Like I'm like, the New York Times or the Washington Post or the LA Times, like, you know, TMZ mm-hmm. doesn't count. Yeah. And I, I stood there and I, you know, in it, like I was being such weirdly defiant. Like, yes. And I, it was, I couldn't, I just was like, no, mm-mm. denial. Yep. Yeah. Totally. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, and then, well, you'll keep, I want, one thing I do want to address too, as we talk is, and this is of course, like, cause when Carly came in, she's like, what's the, you know, I, I'm nervous. What's the format going to be like? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Cause you know, Jenny's like, she'll totally, the train will go off the track at least five times and you'll be fine. <laughs> so um, I do want to also talk about, so a lot of posts I've seen where people like me um, before, you know, I started to be more kind of involved with one particular family in this situation but i was like i feel weird like that i'm so devastated Mm -hmm. like i didn't really super know these people like am i allowed to grieve am i allowed to be sad am i a weirdo am i a i don't even know what i am like a pretender like it just but i felt real sad feelings but i'm like i i don't know basketball yeah 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 well let me let me tackle that one if you don't mind and we'll circle back to the actual Mm -hmm. important things that you know probably like we need to talk about but i just no no i've seen so many posts like i feel really odd and awkward grieving there's a term for that there's a couple of terms for that um like on the topic of grief like some of that could be what's called complicated grief and there's a difference between grief and complicated grief. As we were saying earlier, grief is your body's natural response to a significant loss. Complicated grief is more of an interruption to that natural organic process of grief. It's it's like a roadblock to being able to get through grief um, in a healing way. It's when kind of like your thought process or your past experiences or your belief systems interfere with that natural process of grief. Like grief is like Carly was saying, like, I miss that person. Um, I wish I could hug them. How am I going to get through life without them? And it's very normal to have the process of was it something I could have done something different. Read the bargaining. But mm-hmm. we move through that. And then complicated grief is more of like your own belief system getting in the way and your thought process turns towards um, you know, things like this is my fault or grief is a sign of weakness. I need to stuff it down. Or why do people always leave me? 
Mm, abandonment. And we stop focusing on the loss of the person, which is normal grief, and we start focusing on our own belief systems, experiences, and that can complicate the process of grief and prolong it. And it can come from a variety of things like we were talking about, like the loss of your mom. So this is going to trigger that pain, even if the wound feels like it's healed. It's almost like, you know, grief is like you have an open wound, right? And it's bleeding and you clean it and it hurts. But every day you clean it, bandage it, take good care of it. It's going to start to scar over. It's always going to be there. You're always going to feel the pain when you see that scar, as I point at my knee, because I've had knee surgery. Right, but I mean, no, it's it's so, okay. And then complicated grief is when that wound gets infected because you're picking at the sutures, you're not cleaning it, um, you're just not healing it properly. And, and that can come from past traumas or loss that have been triggered. It can come from unresolved or unprocessed grief, compounded grief. Maybe when you felt grief in the past before, it was invalidated either by yourself saying, I shouldn't feel this, or by someone else saying, you're like, fine, Don't be sad, it. Carrie, don't cry. Right. Don't cry, exactly. we're not gonna cry, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine, you know, a and lot the, of that. The other part of that in response to what you're experiencing and what you're seeing on posts is something called secondary trauma. And as therapists, we're exposed to this as something that we have to take very seriously. First responders have to take care of themselves very seriously. Loved ones and friends and the public at large, especially when it's such a loved figure, you know, that reaches worldwide. But it's feeling the same feelings of grief. But we're allowed to feel that, right? Yes, like, I don't absolutely. think we should be judging. Like, because I feel a lot of people are like feeling not only sad, but then they're complicating it by feeling awkward and not and not valid in their feelings. It's an actual diagnosis. Secondary trauma. Yes, is. in response to witnessing. Someone. So if I'm a fan of Kobe's, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm not not a fan, but maybe I just don't know anything about basketball. Raising my hand, you know, but I'm obviously know who Kobe Bryant was, yeah. you know. But let's just say I didn't know any of the families. Um, and I'm living in Philadelphia, and I was a 76ers fan, but I still thought Kobe was cool, but I don't really know his life. And I'm sad, that's okay, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, and if you think about it too, a lot of people are expressing that I feel weird about this. Is this okay? And if we really reflect on that, it's a common experience, and therefore it makes it normal and okay. That's so, in- so yeah, exactly. Just by the nature of how it's showing up and yeah. so many people are experiencing it, it's normalizing it. Yes. But I, I feel bad for people that are not only sad, but then second guessing their sadness. It seems like right. what a not great place to feel. Well, give yourself you know? permission to okay. grieve. You have a right to grieve regardless of how removed you are from the okay. loss. It I love ta- that. It just yeah. taps into our own experiences and our own feelings. Right. It makes us know? human. It's like the human experience, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. And sometimes it's a really hard thing. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so going back to, I don't know whether Carly, you feel like it's more important to cover like the different stages, or if you want to talk about maybe some of the stages that people get stuck in that are the the ones that we really need to focus on that will, you know, um, hinder their grieving process or create other trauma or issues for them. I mean, you know, when you're thinking about your friends are asking you and your clients are asking you this past week, and, and I'm sure way before that, because grief is something we go through all the time. Um, like, are there some key messages? Or are there some kind of don't do this or in not in a judgy way, but like mm-hmm. what, what should people know about the grieving process and how they should 
I try to manage it or deal with it. Well, I think one of the most important things is to recognize that it's going to be different for everyone. You're, you may talk to someone who's grieving differently than you are, and that doesn't make either one of you doing, doesn't make it seem like you're doing it the right way or the wrong okay. way. It's just, it is. And so I think just feeling the feelings, because I think that when we feel a discomfort, we want to push away. it away. Oh my gosh. So or ignore so. it mm-hmm. or pretend it's not there or even cope with it really, really quickly to make right. that go away. But I think to honor the feelings that we have and just allow ourselves to feel them and accept them and not judge ourselves for them, you know, and kind of like how we were saying, everyone's going to be triggered in a different way. So to also pay attention to what are the parts of the story or of the experience that are really resonating with you. Like for me, it was more my first thought was imagining the families Mm -hmm. sitting there, like in the children sitting in their bedrooms. And that's where I went, you know, and how, how absolutely devastating and life and life changing that is. And it just doesn't even feel real. I just, I cannot imagine what that is like. And so that's where I went. Someone else may not have gone there. They may have gone somewhere else, but I need to pay attention to that. Why is that coming up for me? Is it my own fear of that, of me being in that position, position, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or whatever. So, so it could be like, um, it's a chance to, to, look inward and do some work. I mean, yeah. even as hard as that might be, it might, it's a probably a really good opportunity then if you're able to get through, we'll talk in a little bit about the brain fog and the, yeah. the effects on the brain. But if you're able to cut through those clouds, if you will, and, and get to some insight, it could be a really good opportunity to do work and whether, you know, ideally, I mean, I advocate for, you know, formal formalized therapy, but there perhaps would be support groups, there mm-hmm. would ha- perhaps mm-hmm. be a really good opportunity to talk to a friend that you trust or a family member about gosh, you know, this is really bringing this up for me. Can yeah. I talk to you about it? Or, would, you know, because I feel like, you know, insight is really good. And if we can get to some of that, maybe there's something there that you're saying, you know, could be a past trauma. Maybe it's just a fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think grief shows up a lot like fear to Mm -hmm. me. Like it feels very scary. Mm -hmm. And so to me, grief and fear, there's a lot of connectivity there between those two emotions. And Jenny, can I ask, like, I just think it's important for us to maybe all three share how it showed up for you too. Like, and thank you, Carly, for sharing that, like Mm -hmm. how you immediately reacted to like the the news, right? So for you, like, if you're I, had willing to- a, I had a similar experience. Um, my husband and I were walking Balboa Island and my family, my two daughters and my two nieces and my mom and I all have this group chat going all the time, constant. It's awesome. And when we stopped to take a break, I looked at my phone and there were like 30 texts, you know, from everyone that I had missed saying, you know, Kobe's helicopter went down. I had the same initial response like, oh, this can't be true. This, this has to be a hoax or something like that. But you know, as the day went on, the day just got worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And I felt myself just sinking as the day went on and then hearing about the families, you know, that I know that are very close to home and in our communities. My, my mind went towards yes, um, the people left behind. Yeah, you know, um, I can't imagine what it's like to lose both parents and a sibling, you know, 
So I was really struggling with that. And then um, I had just seen Carrie earlier in the week. Okay, that's Carrie Altabelli. Yeah, so that one was really tough too. Just like, Mm -hmm. wow, you know, I've known her for like 12 plus years. I hadn't seen her in a while. But then just to see her like within the week of this happening was a really weird feeling for me. That one just really stuck. And just relating as a mom to that, Mm. um, absolutely, it caused some pretty heavy grief for me. Um, And some past loss came up for Mm -hmm. me as well. So I could relate to it that way. And to be quite honest, like Monday and Tuesday, the sessions I was doing with people that were hurting were really hard for me. You know, I had Mm -hmm. to kind of just do a lot of what we're going to talk about in a little bit, Mm -hmm. but the self-soothing and taking care of myself and reminding me that it's not my grief, it's not my trauma, and just being grateful for um, what's in front of me and and deeping in, digging into my skills to help people. But it was it was really hard for me, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I can't imagine having to counsel people through it when you're, you know, it's just yeah. one of those things where, like you said, yeah, I guess you got to compartmentalize. And- well, it's part of the healing process for me, too, because it's um, gifts that I've been given mm-hmm. that I'm able to utilize to help others. So I just have to f- reframe my mindset to remind me that these are my gifts and it's part of my healing process. I know Carly feels this way, too, to be able to help, to have the yes. skills to help. Yeah, I think I totally identify with that. I think um, I've been working with one of the families this mm-hmm. week and um, it it's so great to talk to you on so many levels, you both. And I, I think that, you know, one thing that I have to really watch out for and I haven't in some moments I've been really good at it. Some moments I've been shit at it. And that's like not personalizing their grief because I think I get like into the over identification mode, looking at children who have lost their mom in mm-hmm. this tragic way. And again, I lost my mom in a tragic way. It wasn't an airline accident, but it was sudden and devastating and immediate and in my face. And, um, you know, I just sit there and look at those kids and I start to just like, I mean, I got to watch it cause I'll start to spin out and like over identify with, especially the one that was my age, you know, and be like, okay, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. and so I too, and I'm happy to hear you say this and I'm doing it on a much different level. I'm not going to even compare what I'm doing to the work that you all are doing with helping people with their like mental health, but just supporting the family in the way that I know how, um, is a good, it's a good reframe. And I just have to be careful. Even my, um, my, very insightful daughter Jeannie who wants to be a therapist when she grows up and I think she'll be great um you know said to me like you're personalizing it like and she wasn't being mean she's like you got to be careful mom you this week are showing up like it's your loss you know and I'm like yeah I get it thank you for the wake-up call so Mm -hmm. so anyway so thanks for sharing that I think we've all had different experiences and different you know like you know either personalize it or you don't, or you're just thinking about it as like, oh my gosh, what if I projecting? Like, what if I were that child? Or, mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about, um, I don't know if we want to talk now about the brain and kind of how it processes, um, you know, the grief, or if we feel, I mean, I thought that the way, Carly, that you kind of have presented it um, to me before the show is very understandable. Like, I think it's, we can talk about it in layperson's terms. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to, because I think as we're all feeling, um, like I said, kind of foggy or just off, I think it's important to talk about the brain because that'll maybe help us not judge ourselves for being off this week. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? If we can talk about the brain and like the actual, the physical things that are happening in our heads right now. Mm -hmm. So do you mind just, and again, you can just top line it or whatever you think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, first, let me preface by there's this great video that I found online that really outlined a lot I'll of this information. I'll post a link to it. Um, yeah. If you're okay with that, I'll yeah. post that on my um, social media along with the podcast post so people can watch that. It's just like eight minutes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, I thought it was a really good instructional. Yeah. And it was thing. very digestible. Yes. I know when we talk about the brain, it can be oh, really gosh, complex. I and I mean, we're, I'm slightly trained in the brain and I'm still like, whoa. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but pretty much um, there's a part of our brain that's uh, deals with fear and pleasure. That's its main job. It's the amygdala. Um, and when we experience something that triggers our brain that there's danger or trauma or or whatever it may be, something that triggers that part of the brain, um, the amygdala kicks in. It's like sounding an alarm in our brains. Danger, respond. That's like the fight or flight. Yes. And the video said freeze is yes. the third one, which yeah, I was like, I've that. never yeah. heard that one. Yeah. Fight, flight, freeze are the the survival responses that that we see from that part of the brain. Um, and so, you know, within that area of the brain, we also have the hippocampus. So that's the part of the brain that's in charge of storing memories. Okay. Um, but when we're in one of the survival modes, that part of our brain turns off or it, it doesn't turn off, but it transforms into a different use. And this was actually really interesting to me. It's main purpose is to pump cortisol, which keeps us from feeling pain. Oh, interesting. That's that adrenaline rush. Yeah. Okay. You know? It's, yeah. Which is so, it's, that's so it's interesting. protecting. It's, okay. It's protecting us from, from the pain in that moment. Okay. So does that make it hard for us then to like, because I feel like, well, what, you know when you say you block something out? Yeah. Like, and that's, I know that's a layperson term, but like, I think about that, like in PTSD situations yes. with post-traumatic stress, um, where it's like an incident happens or even like this week, an incident happens, but then like the the waves, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Carly, keep coming in, right? Of grief. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel like my memory has been a little shot this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm as highly functioning as usual. Um, the brain fog that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's is that kind of because the cortisol is coming in going okay care you're you're fine and like don't like not don't feel this but maybe don't feel this or and it just messes up your like um your cognition like is that kind of what happens well when we go into like fight flight or freeze the stress response um we're on autopilot your your brain and your body are in protect yourself mode so you kind of feel a sense of shock or numbness you know and and we go into that um the reptilian mm-hmm. brain of just autopilot just and that's like your you, heart's pumping yes, your yeah. nose is breathing like yes you just do what you need to do to, to survive cope with the information the danger to survive it's the same thing it happens you know to a child that might experience ongoing physical abuse or you know yeah. repeated harassment at work like we can go into that fight flight or freeze survival mode where the cortisol is pumping you know and that's kind of what causes that um that sort of numbness or shock so that you can survive and that's what causes you know in the part where you said carly about like your memory kind of 
um, the part of your brain that stores information. Oh, that's right there. Changes yeah. focus. And so that's why it's hard. Like in the video, that's why it's hard to like recall details of an event in the beginning because your yeah. memory portion of your brain basically shut down temporarily. Yeah, just to yeah. protect you. Like, yeah. so you don't like completely lose it, mm-hmm. I yeah. would imagine. The alarm system is going off and your brain is is jammed. Right. It's like all it hears is the alarm. Yeah. I would imagine because how are you going to have complex thoughts and store memories when the alarm is like just blaring? Right. And the memories then are stuck. Yeah. They're jammed. Yeah. And so then that's why when we experience triggers, like those memories that are stuck in there, they haven't processed and they haven't stored. So then we experience the triggers and it triggers that same survival response that is so interesting so that's where the secondary trauma and complicated and it's real and we don't need to feel like we're pretenders to the throne of trauma because we're all you know feeling this and there's actually scientific Mm -hmm. backup for Mm -hmm. why we're feeling this way it explains why on tuesday morning leaving the gym in the same spot that i'm always parked in i backed into a pole (laughs) i mean it was not know. a lot of damage to my car and you know my first thought was yeah that makes sense i'm completely in a brain fog no, right now i walked to my car in a parking lot on that same day i walked and again I, I need the steps i'm not saying i don't need to you know wear a fitbit but i mean i should <laughs> but i mean so like i walked in the complete opposite direction of where i parked and it was literally five minutes before i go where am i walking to mm-hmm. my car's over that away yeah you know? and i'm mm-hmm. like and i was easy on myself just i wouldn't go carry you idiot i was like this is I know what this is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all need to give ourselves, um, whether we're experiencing secondary trauma, we're sitting with people experiencing, I I don't know if it's called primary trauma, but we're, we're, we're sitting with people who are members of these families or friends of, or, you know, so I think we need to all give ourselves a break that maybe we're not as highly functioning as we normally are Mm -hmm. this week or in the coming weeks. And that's okay. Yes. Yep. You know, I don't think we need to be spending any time beating ourselves up for any feelings we're having. Um, or any, you know, not showing up as we usually do. You know, I've apologized to a bunch of clients this week. Like, I, it totally slipped my mind. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not usually like this. You know that. But, well, you know. I really like what Jeannie said to you. I think that's so important Ugh. is to not, um, I mean, we want to grieve, but we don't want to personalize right. it. And if we, um, you know, kind of stay stuck in that thought process of, well, how is she going to, or how are they going to, or like I can't how does how does Lexi if, Altabelli survive this? It, is a thought that happens to me a that lot. That every person has had Correct. that thought. I've had that thought. I mean, and that that's an empathetic thought, but we can cause harm to ourselves by staying in that mindset and by trying to answer those questions for her. And I'm not trying to be insensitive no. to her, but but that's not your grief. Correct. That's not your path. And I wouldn't expect anyone like looking at my past trauma to go in there and fix that for me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But we can still empathize without taking it on. Without personalizing it and Mm -hmm. taking it on. Can we talk about, um, and this is something I, you know, I really want to understand better. Someone, um, a friend of mine who has been on the podcast, she has my college roommate, Stacey Ball, had written, or um, she has Running Through Grief. It's her own blog. Um, She lost her husband tragically when he was 44. And um, was left behind as a widow with two young boys. And um, 
her blog is incredibly poignant and helpful, I think, for people going through all kinds of grief, but especially widows and widowers. Um, but she posted a really great quote that's like a poo and piglet thing about how piglets like, how's your day? And I think I might be getting the roles reversed, but I think I'm right. And Pooh's like, it was really hard. I won't talk about it, though. And Piglet's like, I'll just sit here with you then. Yes. Yeah. You know, so it makes me want to cry just talking about it. But <laughs> like, how do we sit with people that are grieving? Like, how do we show up? Because I think part of me, and I know, like, um, my husband just wants to fix it, you know, and I get that, too. So I'm not faulting him for wanting to fix things and make sure people don't cry. But that's not, I don't think it's the answer. So how do we sit with people in grief? And how do we support people that are grieving? Like, how can we do our best showing up as Piglet or mm-hmm. otherwise? Well, I think um, you said the right thing, which was sit with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I respect, you know, Alan's desire to fix it. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people want to know, what can I do to help? You know, yes. what can I do to help? How, How do we I... get you to stop crying? It's very uncomfortable. And and that, <laughs> unfortunately, it's with good intent, but mm-hmm. it can be invalidating to the person's emotional mm-hmm. experience. And Carly and I had the pleasure and the opportunity to speak to the tennis, the girls' tennis team at Newport Harbor the other day. And it was really powerful. And, and I'm just... To- to give some context to that because I think it's important you talk to anybody that you can but Lexi Altabelli is a member of that yeah, team it's her teammates okay. and you know that question came up like what can we do to help her what can we say or how do we help her and um you know what what Carly and I really conveyed to them is there's nothing you can say or do that's going to fix it and it's more important to just be with her in her pain whether that's laying on her bed with her whether that's crying together whether that's um hey let's go take a walk outside you know and just not pressuring the person unfortunately out of our good intent to help them sometimes we can say something like well just don't think about it or here do this this will help you you need to you need to laugh let's go do this Mm -hmm. and it, even though it's got good intent, it can, um, like I said, kind of dismiss or invalidate their emotional state. And it's just really important for yourself to feel the feelings. Just feel them. Just feel them and let them pass like waves. And <laughs> they feel scary. Yeah, for sure. But you're going to be fine, right? Yes. I mean, I have to tell yeah. myself that sometimes like this feels really scary, but you're going to get through this feeling, but it's not going to kill you. Right. But it feels like it might. But it's it, going to be hard. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be hard. There's going to be huge voids. I got to Oh, Murphy's said, raising his hand. You guys can't see this. Absolutely. No, they just yeah. are Murphy's with talking you. about dogs, which I'll honor in this they moment. They don't give you any advice. Cats as well. Yeah. The comfort of like, and I know that. Yeah. They've brought you got therapy it, dro- dogs like into Harbor Day, for example, where Gianna Bryant uh, was a student um, and the Mausers had both taught, um, including Christina. Right. Um, they brought therapy dogs in and that was super helpful. Excellent. Mm-hmm. But I was going to ask you, like, you started to get to it. I think if you're the person that's like the carer or the supporting uh, the the primary grieving person, um. Like, is there anything you can be telling yourself, like, while you're sitting there when you're, like, really, it's excruciatingly uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you coach yourself in those moments um, to get through it? Because I think it's really hard. It's I don't want to minimize, like, Piglet says he's just sitting there, but Piglet's, I'm sure Piglet's having a pretty gnarly in, in, inner dialogue to be able to sit there with Pooh. Do you know what I mean? How do you coach yourself through those moments? 
I think that's a really good question. I'm like, because it's just uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable, you know? I I don't think we're beings built for discomfort. No, and I think so that's, that... It's an, interior, an internal struggle. Yeah, what yeah. you can tell yourself is your role. You can feel your feelings. And this is kind of what I do as a professional, too, as I'm helping someone through a difficult time, is inside I say to myself, okay, my feelings are valid, but I'm going to uh, acknowledge my feelings later when I'm alone. And right now I'm going to be present for this person and I'm going to focus on acknowledging and validating their feelings, you know, and then I will do that with someone else. Right. Like, but you make a promise to yourself because I think it's important that you're going to process it and feel the feelings or, or get into that later. You're right. not going to like short change yourself of that opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in that moment, you're present for that person. And you're like you said, with the reframe of, of counseling clients during this time when you're also sad, you know, you're you're doing the work of being present. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay, like you said before, Jenny, I just want to reiterate, like, you don't have to be strong in front of that person. I mean, no. right? No. So crying in front of someone that's sad doesn't make it worse for them. No, that's being with them. Okay. That's showing I think a lot of people feel like, I've just got to be strong for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes there is a little bit of cognitive dissonance. I think when you're the griever and they're like, and I'm not expecting them to cry, but if they, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, this is like really hard. I can't believe you're not crying. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you absolutely. And, and as a caretaker, that's very close to the person going through it. That's where, secondary trauma comes into play and you've got to treat your secondary trauma um we have the ability as a caretaker too to kind of go into that survival mode and kind of block your feelings because you know you need to be there for someone else but it is very important to revisit those feelings take care of yourself Mm -hmm. it's what you and i have talked about a lot carrie which is take care of yourself mm-hmm. first so that you can then be there to give and love harder on everybody else. Right. And I think, yeah. I, you know, it's so funny because like no matter how many times Carly that Jenny tells me this and this is, I can't, again, I'm not going to ask myself to do computations right now because this week has been, you know, for everybody crazy. I can't do math anyway. But this is the probably the 10th to 20th time I think she's given me this nugget of information. But it is so flipping hard. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that so hard to take care of? Why is it so hard for the carers to take care of themselves? Well, and I also feel like, because for me, this whole week, I've been looking forward to my own therapy session, okay. where that was my way of taking care of myself. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to say. I just knew I needed to go and yeah. be there and spend an hour in the feelings, Yes, whatever came up. Um, and it didn't fix anything. It didn't, right. you know, it but was wasn't that, fixing that wasn't it, really your expectation, was, right? You just want to ex- yeah. feel the feelings. I just needed to give myself that space because we are in a role where we are helping others, but we mm-hmm. have to be mindful of what's going on for us too. Yes. And a lot of people, I mean, kind of societal standards, which are shifting, is that self-care is selfish, which couldn't be further from the Mm -hmm. truth. And we worry that people will suffer if we choose to take care of ourselves instead of helping them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If you're depleted, you're not doing anyone else any good. Right. Well, I think about this now that you both have brought this up. It's like, 
I wouldn't want to go to my therapist or a doctor when they're depleted. Oh right. my gosh, that actually scares me. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I'm not going to get what I need, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, in a very important setting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you think about it too, sometimes I'll describe it to clients this way where you're, um, oh gosh, I hope this isn't an insensitive thing to say, but if you're in a plane yes, and and the oxygen right. mask Exactly. We talk down, about this a lot. Right. You you put your own I know. on before you put your child, on the child. And next it, to you. Yeah. Because otherwise you're going to pass out and you well, can't right. help that child. And I, yeah. It's so funny that you brought that up, Carly, because, and it's not insensitive because it's just, it's the, it's the thing that we always use to talk about this paradigm. Yeah. And I think I've always told Jenny, like, I think in that situation, I'd probably put it on my kid and that's dumb. And I've watched the video every time I get in a plan. I'm one of the ones that reads the card every time, pays attention to how you use a seatbelt, even though I know. But it's like, it's such a weird, it's it's so oppositive of, I think, how especially women and moms are taught to think. Well, and I told you, Carrie, for this year, kind of like my motto is to love harder. And in order for me to do that, like I have to be in a position of being strong. Yes. I have to be in a position of being rested, have energy. So when I do self-care, it's not for me. It's right. for Actually, others. That's very important reframe right it's it's for others it's so that i can reach my goal of loving harder mm-hmm. you know so is this then like part of the formula for how we move forward is like loving harder like part of the answer for how we move forward from a tragedy like this i mean what Absolutely. What you said it in your post that tragedy brings community together. We're, we're designed to connect. We're social beings. And, you know, um, sadness, grief, all those emotions cause us to reach out and connect and get comfort and get help. And that is so important. And, and things like, even though it was really hard to be there, like a vigil, you know, like for Alyssa Altabelli last night. So you night. went last night. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's so painful. But to see how many people, I mean, I'm not very good at like judging the amount of people, but I would say there was at least like 400 people there, you know, and to see faces from years ago, people I haven't seen forever. And you see how far reaching, you know, this has affected the community and it brings people together and it causes you to, I connected with a friend I haven't talked to in forever on Facebook, mm-hmm. and we're going to go for a walk soon. You know, just like things like that, we, we've got to focus on what can we do now to move forward and just love harder and mm-hmm. tell the people in your family that you love them, heal past pains, reach out to old friends that you haven't talked to, um, resolve grudges. Like, there's just no time for that. Agree. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Can I share a quote that I Please, found? I love quotes. Okay. Um, this is a quote. I'll be honest. I don't know who this person Doesn't is. Doesn't matter. It's Jandy not Jandy Nelson. Okay. Okay. Good love him or her. Yeah. It <laughs> or says, them. Them. Grief is forever. It doesn't go away. It becomes a part of you step for step, breath for breath. I will never stop grieving Bailey because I will never stop loving her. That's just how it is grief and love are conjoined you don't get one without the other all i can do is love her and love the world emulate her by living with daring spirit and joy mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful so i'm crying yeah of course. <laughs> um, of course but i think um you know that's where you see like the live like lexi and 
Uh, not Lexi, sorry. Live like Alyssa. Sorry, mm-hmm. Lexi is still with us. Um, and I know suffering. Um, but I just feel like, you know, it's it's so true. And um, and I don't think moving forward is necessarily like, I think there's a little bit of, um, and I love that the way this, and thank you for sharing that quote, because mm-hmm. it, it, it shows how you can live and love with grief still. And like, still, you won't forget that person. And they'll always be part of your heart. You'll never stop grieving them. But you can move on and still live. And yeah. I think that there's no, um, even though sometimes it feels like disrespectful or like disloyal sometimes to me, I know it's a weird word to use. Like if I, um, it's like maybe it's a survivor's guilt thing where you're just like, how could you move on? How can you have a laugh in the midst of sadness? Like, are you, are you laughing right now? Like someone just died, you know, but I think it's important for people to know that that's normal too, you mm-hmm. know, like, and certainly if I passed and when I pass, like, I wouldn't want people to just turn the faucet on for grief the rest of their life. I mean, you know, so I guess um, what I'm trying to say is that like, it's okay to move on to like honor yeah. the person that you lost by moving on Correct. to a fulfilling life. Thank and you for saying it. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's very important and everybody moves at their own pace mm-hmm. and while i want everybody to be able to move forward i also want to say take it day by day mm-hmm. okay one day at a time especially in the beginning of the grieving process when you're in shock when you're angry when your grief is just a pit of despair day by day just focus on what is in my control today how can i self-soothe today mm-hmm. is it going to be an angry day okay how can i at least stay safe while i'm angry today and just focusing on your coping skills self-soothing what do i need today just one day at a time because if we get caught in thinking about you know the future even though we want to be able to move forward it can be very overwhelming i agree you know, just one step at a time, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think that that's something that, um, you know, especially in the days to come, because like Carly said earlier, grief isn't linear. Yeah. Um, And also, because there will be some milestones that we're going to be coming up on, you know, starting, I'm assuming, next week and moving forward for I don't know how many weeks it will take. But, um, you know, there will be other public um, vigils and there will be memorials and there are going to be burials, you know, and, and so I think that we need to be all super kind to ourselves, as Jenny just said, because and take it day by day, because, you know, I don't want us to have like anticipatory grief or, or, or anxiety over this. But I just know that realistically, over the next couple of weeks, we we will anticipate some, some others, possibly triggering sad moments as we have these vigils and memorials for sure is that fair to say absolutely and kind of one more thing i want to say to to the people that are really affected and close to the loss Mm -hmm. is um not only the day by day and be kind to yourself but i use this terminology sadly i've had a lot of clients experiencing real traumatic grief over the past couple of years but you know, we've got to remember too that you go through withdrawal symptoms from the person, the person that you're very used to seeing every day, all day, or talking to or communicating with. There's now a hole there, and and you go through withdrawals from that person, and that can be one of the diff- most difficult things to go to is that automatic thought of oh, I'm going to ask them or I'm going to tell them about and you realize that they're not there. And for those people that are very close to the loss, that's one of the hardest things. And I kind of talk to people using the term of creating a new normal 
for yourself without that person or persons in your life. And that's a really difficult challenge, but it's, it's what has to happen to be able to move forward is to learn to live without, you know, and create a new normal. And is that best done? I mean, obviously, you know, you could probably de de facto fall into it because you have to, I mean, but is that kind of the kind of thing that, that you could help and Carly and, and other, other, mental health professionals could help someone for sure i mean with you know i agree with your belief that we could all benefit from therapy at one point or another in life but um this type of a situation really calls for professional help and um whether it's with my group or any other group i was telling you beforehand call me if you know me personally i'll match you up with someone if you don't mm -hmm. feel like it's a good fit i'm not going to let go of you until i've got you connected with okay. someone that will meet your needs so they can reach out to you and carly via the website smithpsychotherapygroup.com yeah um and i'm also you know anyone who knows me or doesn't you can dm me on any platform or or call me um and so I can refer you. Yeah, you know, we, we to... also have another associate that works with our group, Nicole Riley, and she's okay. phenomenal. She's actually an MD, oh, wow, um, okay. changed careers and became um, a therapist. And she's just phenomenal. She couldn't be with us today, but um, she's available to help too. Okay. Um, thank you both for being here today. I just have like one last question I mm -hmm. wanted to, and I, I kind of, um, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I like, I'm looking for the hope piece. Um, and I know there's always hope. So it's not like I have to look too hard. Yeah. But I mean, I just I want to think about the way we're coming together in this grief. It and I wrote about this, it, it makes me feel like, you know, and again, I, I'm not like, a, I'm a very optimistic person by nature. I'm a definitely glass half full. I love people. Um, and I am not. Uh, I believe in people. I believe in the inherent goodness of people. But I feel like, you know, sometimes it takes something like this, I think, to show people that we do have a community because, I don't know, we all get busy and sometimes I think it's like, oh, people won't, won't really be, be there for me or, um, you know, do we have a community? Like, I, you know, sometimes I kind of, I think we all wonder, like, how are we connected? Like, mm -hmm. if we feel so disconnected in this time um, mm -hmm. of whether it's politics or technology or, um, so I just, do you think there's hope to somehow out of something like this that like a, a renewed sense of community could be born on a long-term basis or as as humans i hope this isn't the case but as humans are we just like really short memory span and we'll go back to our phones and our uh, laptops i think that it absolutely can bring together community i think there's the risk that it's temporary so i think that for, for those of you who feel how good it feels for the community to come together, if it's in your heart, try to engage in behaviors that continue that momentum okay. and that change and reach out. You know, like I said, I uh, just saw another mom on yeah. Facebook making a comment and I could relate to her comment and I private messaged her and we've got a plan to walk balboa i love which it. you should join us it's yes. donna mckinnon do you know oh her? yeah could you can i please come yes it'll be a great <laughs> I mean, walk carly's laughing she doesn't know me that well yet but she now knows that i will invite myself to anything <laughs> or i'll start my own club so that i can be part of the club well you did you started our gratitude gathering and it's been amazing and in small ways reach out in big ways reach out okay. whatever is within whatever's on your heart and within your capacity, just follow through. Don't wait. Now's the time. Okay. I love that message. Cause I, I feel like, again, I don't, I'm deep in the grief with everybody and I'm a, I'm a secondary griever trauma 
person i'll raise my hand to that complicated grief of course it's complicated because it's me but (laughs) um but i i also know that like i really feel like something like you're saying jenny like called to continue the community Mm -hmm. aspect of this to try to make something beautiful out of something that's so horrible so thank you for that i love that encouragement um so thank you both carly juarez jenny smith smith psychotherapy group um and like they said you know they're here to help um and if for some reason it wasn't a fit or the timing didn't work, they're here to help connect you with the resources that you need. Again, as part of our community to make sure everybody is getting the support they need during this time and beyond, because we all have issues that come up day to day beyond, you know, this last week's event. So thank you both. Yes, absolutely. For being thank here. you, Carrie. Thank you, thank right, you for having care. us. See you soon.